and welcome to the Caregiver Stories podcast, where we discuss all types of dementia and hopefully share some caregiver stories along the way. My name is Kimberly Scott, and I am a part-time caregiver to my mother, who at the age of 65 was diagnosed with early onset dementia. And in 2019, I started Caregiver Stories to give caregivers a place to tell their story when they're ready, continue to educate those who don't know about dementia and what to do if their loved one is diagnosed. But most importantly, I want to get people talking and having a tough conversation about the what if your loved one is diagnosed, then what? Do you have a plan? I wish my mom and I had had that tough conversation before she was diagnosed. If you want to share your story or have knowledge about dementia and want to be a guest on Caregiver Stories podcast, visit thatkimberly.com to sign up to be interviewed while you're there. You can also pick which platform you prefer to listen to the podcast on, iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and now Amazon Alexa. My guest today is Julia Mecchiore. Hello, Julia. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you giving us your time. Give the listeners a little bit of background on who you are and what led you to the work you are doing today. Okay. So I'm a neuroscientist by training. So I completed my undergraduate degree here in St. Andrews in Scotland in neuroscience. And then I went on to do a master's by research in Edinburgh, also based in Scotland. And after I completed my studies in neuroscience, I decided to go ahead and work for a neurology clinic here in Edinburgh. The neurology clinic I worked for was specialized in neurodegenerative diseases. So that's diseases like dementia, multiple sclerosis, or motor neuron disease. And my role within that was to work as a research assistant. So to work with patients on studies that were being run. So for example, clinical trials for multiple sclerosis or perhaps a study on the different treatments for dementia. That sort of thing was what I was doing. And as I was working with these families affected by dementia and I was, I was working in the space, I could see a lot of families receiving a diagnosis of dementia and then they were stuck at that point where they just didn't know what to do. What, they didn't yeah, really know what to do what. now. Yeah. So, so I remember there was this couple, there was a younger couple because they were particularly specializing in early onset dementia. So they were under the age of 65 and, uh, you know, they had gone into this appointment with the neurologist. It's maybe 20, 30 minute appointment. And then they, the lady, she'd received the diagnosis of dementia and they worked out and you could just see how they were just so in shock just really didn't mm -hmm. know what to do. And they walked up to me and they said, do you have something that we can take away? Do you have anything at all for us? And at the time we didn't have any leaflets. We genuinely had nothing that I could give them. So I was like, just hold on a second. And I ran to my computer, printed off some information and I gave it to them to take away. And I think mm -hmm. at that point in time, I was thinking that can't be it. Surely that's not, you know, that's not <laughs> how it works. You get that diagnosis. Somebody prints you up a piece of paper and you go home. Um, yeah. And I think it's just a really scary place for people to be. And I mean, so that was that point in time when I kind of started thinking, okay, well, these people have, you know, you have a really hard time when you get the diagnosis and also you're sort of left on your own, not always, but a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So Puja, a friend of mine that I met at university in Edinburgh, we were doing our master's together, had been talking about doing something for people with dementia and their families. She really wanted to help. And so mm -hmm. together we started going back and forth. What was it that we could do? And eventually we said, okay, we want to reach as many people as we can. 
and create something you know that's as flexible as possible so we actually create, decided to create an app the app is called CogniCare and our app is specifically there to support carers of people with dementia sort of through their journey and I mean I think I think we're all affected by dementia in some one way or another so my grandpa has been diagnosed oh, yeah. and you know my boyfriend's grandpa has been diagnosed and so it's important I think to do something to help <laughs> and that's where yeah. you know where I've come from and why I'm doing what I'm doing now well it's definitely a startup world is always fun and it's even better when you're you're creating something that is helping others you know because your statement of we're all affected it does seem like the more that i talk about this topic the more <laughs> i find people they either have a parent a spouse's parent an aunt an uncle you know that has been diagnosed with some form of dementia and so good for you all for doing something about it to help those who really are left in the dark because we don't know what we don't know. So how can your app, how can CogniCare help the caregiver? What are the things that a caregiver can find within the app? So we thought that there are two main problems that carers face. Obviously, there are many problems, but we thought there were yeah. two main issues. And the first of those issues is that there is just a lot of information out there. I mm -hmm. don't know if you have experienced that yourself, but yes. <laughs> there's just so much. <laughs> and yeah. it can be really difficult to navigate that social and health care system because it's difficult to understand who you can trust, where to go, you know, what support is available. And what we wanted to do as a first step is unite all of that information in that one platform. So have that mm. one app that provides you with trustworthy information. So the way that we do it is that within CogniCare, we have resources that we have curated from different sources. And they all come from what we consider trustworthy resources. And that way, what a carer can do is rather than search the internet, you know, they can download our app for free, they can go on it, and they can find information about dementia, dementia care, support that's available. And, you know, they have that one place that they can go to. Which, which I think could take a lot of kind of the being scared. It could take a lot of that unknown away Fear. for them. Yeah. Currently, we we're also connecting people to the community. So, so that's part of, you know, connecting people to what's available locally. Because we're based mm -hmm. in Scotland, we're starting in Scotland. So I know that you yourself are based in the US. So for example, we have events that are available, but that's just starting off in Scotland at the moment. But yeah. we're hoping to build that out, you know, as we expand to have more yeah. events more services on there that's relevant for people, you know, no matter where you are. And, yeah. and then the second part that I think the second problem that dementia in particular faces as a condition is that every single person with dementia is different. You know, mm -hmm. if, if you have dementia and I have dementia, we will have very, very different experiences and we yeah. will need very different support and we will, you know, want very different things. And as a carer, I think that's particularly challenging because it means that you need to adapt and change things all the time to that mm -hmm. one person, right? There's not like a one size fits all recipe that you can just apply. <laughs> nope. That's and, true. <laughs> and so I think to kind of address that challenge, what we're working towards is providing personalized recommendations to carers. So what I mean by that is whatever problem that you have as a carer, you can come onto CogniCare, you can share with us or with the app what your problems are, and you will get resources and recommendations that are personalized to your specific needs. 
at the moment, the way that works is we can personalize by location. So I think that's really important because, you know, the way, for example, the health and care system works in the U.S. is very different to the British system. So we try to personalize by location. Also, there you can create a profile with an app. So based on that information, you know, we learn about what type of dementia the person has, what stage they're at. And again, we can personalize information based on that. But we, we're mm-hmm. planning and we're working really hard to build that out further and make it a much better system that can personalize yeah. even further. And yeah, that's what we're working on at the moment. But those, I think, are the two, two ways that we can help carers. It's a one-stop shop <laughs> that you can go to and yeah. you should be able to find everything that you need, ideally. Yeah, or at least all the resources. In the right direction. Exactly. And yeah, and that's really important, especially being on the go. You know, not every person has a computer, but every person has a cell phone. Yeah. And cell phones, you know, are many computers, basically. So an app is ideal where you can, you know, log on and, and find all these resources based yeah. on your care or the person you're caring for because, yeah, differences yeah. are common. Like the fact that no dementia is the same is more common than you finding somebody who had the exact same scenario as the next person. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think even if you are facing the same problem, so, so mm-hmm. it might be that there's a problem in communication, the way you, that you resolve that problem will really depend on the person that you're dealing with. Oh, yeah. Oh, or, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it will depend on their preferences and what they like, what they don't like. And so, so that's why it's so difficult <laughs> to just mm-hmm. you know, give one solution to everyone. And say that yeah, too. and we're Oh, absolutely. And we as a society, no matter where you live, are living longer. It's really important to have this resource. I think I, you know, I was quite excited about it when I learned <laughs> about the app, you know, just because it is very overwhelming. You know, once my mom was diagnosed, what do you do? Where do you go? You know, and the doctors, well, at least in the U.S., are not able to give advice, quote unquote. It all has to be true, actual. It's not advice. They're going to give you if something ails you, they're going to give you a prescription or if they don't know, they're going to send you to a specialist. So they're not about giving advice because that could get them in trouble. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think that's where like support groups and care groups and, you know, other carers can be a yeah. source of information because they yeah. have been through something similar. Yeah. And you also have some of the resources that you have. So if somebody can't they don't know where to go in their area. They could find a support group and they can also see videos and read blogs about other information or events in their area yeah, as so, well. Yeah, so that's something that exists in Scotland only at the moment. Mm-hmm. But yes, we have yeah. that. And also one of the things I guess that's that we have that's, that's maybe applicable regardless of where you are is we have an ask the expert section or expert advice section within the resources mm-hmm. where we've really just yeah. pulled together some videos and experiences of people that have lived through the diagnosis and have, you know, have experienced having dementia and they share their experience. And I think really those are the best experts to go to. It's not necessarily your doctor, but people with a similar experience. Absolutely. What is one or two things that you want people to know when it comes to dementia? Yeah, I think one of the main ones is that you can live well with dementia. I think what I see a lot is that when someone receives a diagnosis, it's obviously absolutely devastating for the family and for the individual. You know, it's it's really, really difficult. And I think I can see that with my boyfriend's grandpa in a little bit. You know, it feels like you're losing that person. It feels like maybe mm-hmm. they're no longer who they used to be. 
they're changing and that's hard. It's incredibly difficult and I absolutely appreciate that. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, you can really live well with this disease if you have the right support, if you still keep doing the things that you were doing before. You know, there's no reason not to do something just because you have dementia. It doesn't stop you. It makes it maybe difficult and you maybe have to change things. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't stop you. And I think that's really important because not (laughs) enjoying life because of a condition like that, I think that's just such a shame. And I, I wish, I, I want people to know that. And that's part of why the reason we created CogniCare. It's all about living well with dementia. Doing mm-hmm. your best to live well. Not to say that it's not going to be hard, <laughs> but I think, yeah, yeah that, that would be one, well, one of the things. Yeah. Well, it's better than just giving up. And really, the only thing you absolutely shouldn't do, and I'm just going to speak from my personal experience, yeah. is from my mother's, she should not drive because they can get lost, but they can drive with someone in the car if that person in the car wants them to drive or just would rather drive for them, either one. But they should stay active for sure, no matter what. And I'm giggling because my mother calls every night to ask where her keys are because we have to hide them because otherwise she'll want to, you know, drive somewhere. And the doctor has already said it's after the fourth time of taking the wrong turn and going into another country because she lives in El Paso, which is a border city of Texas to Mexico. She's turning, instead of going right, she's going left into, you know, the country of Mexico. So that was when we decided not a good idea for her to drive by herself anymore. So So I think um, that's super important that you recognize the things that are no longer a good idea (laughs) because just because of the nature of dementia. But I think a lot of people also withdraw from activities that they are. Yes, and they should not. Yeah. And I can understand in some cases, you know, if you've always, for example, performed at a very high level and that's what you love. You want to perform at a high level and then you can't achieve that anymore. I get it. (laughs) But I do think that there are lots of things that you can do, you know, to to stay active. And I guess as well, we tend to, and that's something that I found really interesting is I want people to know that you shouldn't underestimate the person that has dementia. I think yeah. it's, it's very easy to start doing things for them and to just assume because they have dementia, maybe they're no longer as able as they used to be. And that's not wrong, mm-hmm. but I think they can yeah. still achieve incredible things. And for example, I've met this gentleman here in Scotland who lives on a very remote island up in the northwest of Scotland. And he, mm-hmm. you know, he is building his own smart home and he is writing code for Alexa and, you know, integrating Alexa with all these other systems like video cameras and God knows what <laughs> to, to have a mm-hmm. smart home so that he can live independently. And, you know, he was diagnosed with dementia two years ago. And I think he's wow. having, having to relearn code all the time because he forgets. But it's just such an amazing example of how easy it is to underestimate someone and then to see, you know, you know actually they can still do amazing things. Um, yeah, 100%. They just do them differently. That's all. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. And, you know, you find cope ways to cope. And yeah, I, th- I think that that was really exciting for me to see someone to be yeah. so independent. And, you know, not that everybody's going to be the same. <laughs> no, no, not at all. My mom still plays tennis, but keeping your yeah. brain and your body 
physically moving and active is key to continue to live well because she is now seven years from her diagnosis at 65. And, you know, we definitely see there are things that she absolutely should not be doing. And then there are other things that she can't do because I've had people tell me that it's probably because it stresses her out. And so she's okay with giving those things up. But then there are other things like she absolutely does not want to give up, nor should she. She's just going to do them differently. And or she needs assistance like cooking because she'll leave the stove on and that's dangerous to everyone. But things that are dangerous should just be monitored and maybe limited if that like just because I know that keeping their independence is key to a certain extent. And, you know, just their overall dignity is the most important that they you know maintain and keep their dignity by not feeling like they can't do anything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think what you're saying there is so important to do things differently, right? To do the same things, but just to do them differently. And there yeah. are so many assistive technologies out there now that can help you to yes. do that. I think that's really exciting to see that there's a lot of stuff coming out. There's an app being developed or like a tool being developed here in the UK called Who Am I or What Am I? And basically... Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a little QR code that you can stick on items like a kettle or a candle or whatever it is. Let's say it's a kettle. I stick the QR mm-hmm. code that has this little code on it and I have my phone and I just hold my phone near that code. And what happens is the phone starts playing a video automatically that says, this is a kettle and this is how you use ah. a kettle. There's someone actually using the kettle to boil water. Which uh-huh. It's just a, an idea, right? But I, I think it's a brilliant idea to try and help people who might no longer recognize items that well or know what they're mm-hmm. for. And it gives them that, yeah. independence, you know, to, to maybe copy what's happening in the video. Which yes, absolutely. And there's a lot of innovation around those t- assistive technologies. I think Alexa is a great example. You know, I've seen couples use it as a reminder. So when, yeah. when the wife's gone, so she sets Alexa to, you know, have the alarm go on at four o'clock to remind her husband to mm-hmm. go and take the bus to come into town and meet her. It's just a great yeah. way to use voice technologies. And I know, I think that you're quite interested in voice technologies as well. And your mom oh, yeah. is a doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. We use the Amazon Alexa show for us to speak to each other every morning. And then I set reminders for her in the evening when her caregiver is not there to take her pills. Cause I'll call her at night or, you know, she'll say, yeah, okay. But if she's into something and somebody's not there handing her a pill, she's going to she may or may not take them. So then I, I just keep setting reminders for her and it is definitely helpful. You know, that's key. You know, people can FaceTime if they don't have the Amazon, you know, like they can FaceTime. There are lots of different apps to set reminders, but that's extremely important for her to stay on track and keep a schedule. I mean, for anybody, whether they have dementia or not, but especially <laughs> with those that have no short-term memory, it's extremely important. So those are helpful tools. I'm excited to hear how that man who's building his own smart home, you know, makes out because I feel that's our future. I don't know what the dementia rate is in the UK, but, you know, in the United States, it's alarming. They use words like silver tsunami and we're living longer and more and more people will have this disease for sure. I think it's also, you know, ability to diagnose is getting better. Mm -hmm. There's still a lack, you know, we're still not great at diagnosing. We don't diagnose early enough. Um, It's a long time. I'm sure you maybe experienced this with your mom. It can be a very long process from when you first realize something's wrong to you actually getting a diagnosis, which is hard. (laughs) So so 
Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think in the UK, it's about 850,000 people living with dementia. Wow. But that number is expected to increase and double. I think across the world, we're expecting the number of people with dementia to double by 2020. Yeah. So I think we need to find creative and innovative ways for people to live independently, regardless of whether they have dementia or not. And mm -hmm. I think smart homes are a great way to enable that. You know, we're, we're not yeah. wanting to replace people in the work that they yeah. do. But I think technology is a great enabler to make it possible for people to do more. Yeah. yeah. Yes, they want to live independently, but they need a little bit of help. Yeah. You know, or yes, if they have a caregiver, but not yeah. all that can afford one all the time, they need a little bit of help. That's going to be super important, you know, role for smart technology to play in their lives because we're living longer. Yeah. <laughs> so <it's laughs> we are. We are, which yeah. is great. You know, it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. We just need to identify, like you said earlier, and not be such a, like just not have the stigma of them, you know, oh, they're just, you know, crazy or they're just, yeah. you know, oh, it's just age, you know, but really is it, what is it? You know, find out exactly what it is that's off. And I think, I think, you know, there's this great program. Do you have this in the U.S.? It's called Dementia Friends. Dementia Friends? Yeah, so it's an initiative that was started in Japan called Dementia mm -hmm. Friends, and it's all focused around educating the public and raising awareness around what dementia really is, what it means mm -hmm. to live with dementia, and how we can support someone who has dementia. I think there are now millions of dementia friends around the world, and they offer sort of training. You can become a dementia friend if you go through their training, and it's a brilliant way to support people with dementia and to spread mm -hmm. awareness about what it is and means to live with dementia. It was started by the Alzheimer's Society, and I think there are over 2.5 million people now who are dementia friends. Ah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 I, it, see. I think it's all over the world, but I, I would definitely recommend, you know, I, yeah, if yeah. this is something that, you know, you're interested in getting involved and supporting people. And I can see workplaces are picking up on this now, so they're training their staff to become dementia friends. And uh -huh. you know, it's a great way to create a community that's dementia friendly. Yeah, absolutely. It is in the U.S., so I will definitely look into that because it is important for people to understand, especially if they don't know someone already, which is pretty rare. And the youth of today can better understand what to look for in their parents or grandparents or aunt and whoever it is. So, you know, the conversation can start being had about, you know, what's going to happen if they can no longer take care of themselves. Because that's the whole premise of why I started this podcast was so people would have a conversation and prepare or have a conversation and just already kind of know because, you know, yeah, if people don't want to prepare or can't prepare, or if they prepare and things change, but at least they just have an idea of what they want done if they can no longer take care of themselves and they live. You know, yeah. And I think that's such an important part of what you're saying there to be prepared, you know, and yes. decide what you want. And in the CogniCare app, we actually have a resources section called legal and finance. Um, mm -hmm. They're two separate sections and, and it's a little bit around, you know, what are the things I need to consider financially and legally? Because yeah. there are implications and it is important, I think, to plan ahead as early Absolutely. as possible in that journey. Oh, yes. That is the first thing that I tell people and that people told me was get 
you know, power of attorney, if you need to take over finances, which I did do those things because it is something that I have heard stories of people who did not do. And it's just is a nightmare after that, you know, when, when yeah. you don't have power of attorney, you don't know or have any idea about finances of your loved one and if they can afford or what they can afford. And then also about where help is, you know, they can go get help if they can't afford. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with, with power of attorney, it can be scary to give that away even to a loved yeah. one. But I think what's important to remember is although you might assign someone power of attorney, they might not necessarily mm-hmm. have to use it. It's more a precaution to say, if somebody needs to use it, you know, I'm, I'm choosing who that person is going to be. Yes, who will look absolutely. After welfare, who will look after my finances. And I have made that yes. choice actively rather than having to go through a process where maybe someone's assigned or you have to go through the courts. So I do think powerful yeah. attorney is extremely important. And, you know, like you were saying, knowing where to go for financial support, again, is extremely mm-hmm. important. Those are all really great resources. I'm excited. I'm excited when you all come to the U.S. <laughs> so <laughs> there are a lot of resources in the app still to date, whether you live in Scotland or you live in the U.S., I feel that are useful to a caregiver, especially a new caregiver, because every little bit helps, you know, to be educated and to know, even though the app is not launched here in the U.S., if you see something on the app, you know, it does strike you to go, oh, maybe I should go research that and, and go look and find out more about whatever it is that the topic might be related to your your loved one. So what's something that surprised you about being involved in the world of dementia, creating the Cognicare app? So I think the thing that surprised me the most is because I'm a researcher, I come obviously from a research background and the lack of translation from all the findings and the things that we are finding out in research and, you know, all the, the innovative solutions that are being built, there's actually a lot of stuff being built and run as a research project, how little of that gets translated into the real world. And then also the innovations and things that are happening in the real world, Mm -hmm. how little of those are being picked up by people. It's amazing how many people I speak to who don't know. They just don't know Mm -hmm. things exist. (laughs) And whether that's a assistive technology, a service, a support group, it doesn't matter what type of support. But it just amazes me how bad we seem to be at communicating with the people who are living with dementia, who are the most affected by the disease, the solutions that we're creating. And I, I'm not sure how that's going to change, but I hope <laughs> that that's something that will yeah. change because I think it can well, make a big difference. Absolutely. And, but I think that I'm going to say, in my opinion, they automatically feel that they're overwhelmed or I was overwhelmed. And then it was just recently that I realized that dementia was a symptom of all these other diseases. So I didn't think that there were other resources besides just the Alzheimer's Association, even though the Alzheimer's Association covers a lot of the other dementias, symptoms for other diseases. Each disease has its own website and is connected to the Alzheimer's Association in one way, shape or form. Am I right in stating that? Yes. So the the dementia is really just an umbrella term, right? That describes Mm -hmm. a number of symptoms. So it just kind of together these symptoms whether it's memory problems behavioral changes physical changes yeah. and it just describes that and dementia is caused like you were saying by a number of different diseases so alzheimer's mm-hmm. is the most common cause of dementia and i think what you were saying is just a basic understanding of what dementia is mm-hmm. is often lacking and so i think that's where that lack of awareness comes from right if i don't know what it is that i've got how am i meant to know what i'm looking for to to help with it yeah exactly 
So hopefully with everything from dementia friends across the world, CogniCare, the app, starting in Scotland, but making it to the yes, as well as just in general, people like myself spreading the word, all the different folks that I've been blessed to interview on this podcast, you know, sharing their stories. I feel like Maria Shriver is one of the biggest advocates, you know, here in the U.S. for especially for caregivers. So that's what really got me super laser focused on which direction and and those I wanted to support was the caregiver because, you know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, like you said, all the different resources, the technologies, the things that are out there for us. So I think us just continue to talk about it will definitely spread the word and be able to help others that are, you know, they don't even know that it's going to happen or they are just being diagnosed with this and, you know, just supporting each other. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think you're doing it in a great way just by spreading the word <laughs> and going to groups yes. and to people. Yeah, thanks. Well, how can folks get a hold of you if they have more questions and yeah. where can they go to download the CogniCare app? So CogniCare is available for free from both the Play Store and App Store. So you could just go to okay. your Play Store, App Store, download it. If you want to visit our website, it's www.cognihealth.uk. And there's more information about what it is that we're doing and how the app works. You can also email us. So all the emails that go to support at cognihealth.uk go directly to myself and my co-founder Pooja. And then we go and respond. So we're very happy. You know, if you have any questions, get to get in touch via email, I think would be the best way. Awesome. Well, I really want to thank you again, Julia, for joining me today and sharing your journey and story. And I truly appreciate your time. Thank you to all the listeners. If you know somebody who could use Julia's story, please share this podcast with them. And while you're sharing it, rate the podcast on whatever you're listening to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Amazon Alexa. And to the caregivers listening, take care of yourself so you can take care of others. And to those who have not had that tough conversation with your family about the what if something happens, and they can no longer care for themselves, then what? Do you have a plan? Take it from my daughter with the mother with dementia. I wish I'd had that tough conversation with her because tomorrow is promised to no one. Thank you again, Julia. No, you're very welcome.